When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 this, this is a pod, is a pod for, for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. You smell that, people? That is the smell of postseason basketball around the corner. This is EJ Stewart. This is Tommy Beer. We're talking Knicks basketball here on Orange and Blue Bloods, the New York Knicks podcast. Odyssey WFAN original. We got plenty to get to on this show. We'll be talking about the two big wins the Knicks got over the weekend. They defeated the Cavs on Friday in a barn burner out in Cleveland. And they came back on Sunday at MSG, beat the Wizards. Now they are headed to the postseason. We'll talk all about those games. We'll talk about what we can expect from this team now that they are officially going to be in the playoffs. They don't have to worry about the playing situation anymore. And now the Knicks just one game away from potentially getting that five seed. So a lot of excitement. A lot of good things happening for the Knicks on the basketball court. And we'll talk about some things happening off the court as well. The NBA um, is set to sign a new CBA, a collective bargaining agreement that has some pretty big changes to the NBA landscape. We're going to be having an in-season tournament starting probably as early as next season. There are going to be some changes to the luxury tax threshold. There are going to be some changes to some requirements in order to win MVP, win All-NBA awards. So, a lot to get to on this episode. I'm excited to do this one. Again, like I said, joining me is my co-host, Tommy Beer. Tommy, how does the playoff smell to you? We got to have playoff basketball in the spring <laughs> in New York City. That's right. Um, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, yeah, you know, they made it two years ago, and that was a good story. And it had been eight years prior to that. Um, but for the first time in a really long time, not only are the Knicks in the postseason, it feels like they have a legit chance to make some noise once they get there. Um, a legit chance to advance the second round. And, um, you know, all bets are off if and if they can, uh, you know, advance um, past the first round. So uh, we'll see. A lot to look forward to. Um, but first, let's recap how the Knicks got there, uh, punching their ticket to the dance. Let's get to it. So, again, this is Orange Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WFN original. It's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. You can find us on both the Odyssey Sports page and the uh, WFAN channel on YouTube as well. So you can catch us visually on the uh, on the YouTube pages of Odyssey and WFAN. You can catch us, uh, you know, through all streaming services, audio um, for the podcast. So let's begin talking about these wins. So the Knicks are headed back to the playoffs after picking up two big wins over the weekend. Jalen Brunson, 48 points to power the Knicks to a win over the Cavaliers. 
in Cleveland on Friday. Then on Sunday, the shorthanded Knicks uh, came from behind to defeat a shorthanded Washington Wizards team, uh, running away with a score of 118-109. The Knicks got a stellar performance from Jalen Brunson once again, who had 27 points in the win. But the bigger story from this one might be the performances of some key role players, some key supporting cast members of this Knicks team, starting with Quentin Grimes, who continues to shoot the lights out. He had 27 points in this game. Obi Toppin, uh, starting for Julius Randle, who is going to be out for the remainder of the regular season with an ankle sprain. He scored 21 points in the win. So big performance from those guys. R.J. Barrett did not play in this game. He uh, suffered an illness in the game, so he was unable to play. So Emmanuel quickly stepped in. Uh, he added 22 points, so quickly doing what he normally does when he gets into the starting lineup. So a lot happening over the weekend. Uh, Randall goes out for the rest of the regular season. He's going to be reevaluated for a sprained uh, ankle in two weeks. That would set him up, line him up almost right before the start of a potential game one in the postseason. Uh, meanwhile, Obi Toppin has been in the starting lineup, and R.J. Barrett missed the last game with an illness, um, but they're expecting him to be back soon. So uh, what did you learn, Tommy, from these wins the Knicks got without Julius Randle in the lineup? Yeah, I thought it just kind of reinforced, you know, there have been a, a ton of great storylines this season from Randle's reemergence and Brunson and, um, you know, so many of the other good players, um, you know, just, you know, ascending, you know, really, you know, kind of hoping becoming what Nick fans had hoped the Nick's front office and coaching staff had hoped. And one of them, uh, one of the other storylines was the depth of this team. Somebody yeah. goes down the next man up mentality. Every team talks about it. Every coach talks about it. The Knicks have walked the walk when it comes to that, um, that, that cliche um, they really have. And, um, and as we've discussed, the Knicks don't have one of those elite, you know, superstars in terms of, you know, top five talent in the NBA, um, yeah. you know, one of the 10 best players in the NBA. As a result, they kind of have to rely on contributions from a well-constructed roster night in, night out. Um, and one of the benefits of that is even when one component is missing, um, they have the depth and the all around, you know, just just kind of the, the ability to pick each other up that that allows them to sustain success. We've seen when Brunson goes down, IQ steps in. R.J. Barrett goes down. Grimes and, and IQ will chip in. Um, and now we have Randall missing two games of the first time all season. Um, Sunday night in a win against an albeit depleted Wizards G League team. Um, Obi Toppin <laughs> scores a season high 21 points. The Knicks have four players scored more than 20 points for the first time since 2018. Um, uh, December 1st, 2018, to be exact, it was an overtime win against Milwaukee. Uh, that was the night Mario Hazonia uh, stepped over Giannis. That, that's what that yeah. game was known for. Four Knicks with 20 points in that contest were Emmanuel Moutier, Tim Hardaway Jr., Kevin Knox, and Damian Dotson. Um, one, not only does that tell you how long it's been since the Knicks scored 20 points, two, it's a reminder, not that any Knicks fan would take advancing the playoffs for granted, but a reminder of just what Knicks fans have had to root for, the Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. The trying to convince yourself that Damian Dotson is going to be a, a star player, that Alonzo yeah. Trier is going to be the next guy that's going to be a you know legit <laughs> starter in the NBA. Um, Alfred Payton is a quality starting point guard. All these other players and young guys and Frank Nilakinas and and Frank Williams and and Ronaldo Balkins. We can go on and on and on and on. The Knicks finally have the guys that can lead your team to sustain success. Quentin Grimes, 25th pick in the draft. Um, you know, you mentioned Grimes, and we'll talk about him right off the bat here because he deserves it. Yeah. Um, last six games, 
He's averaging 20.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, 4 assists, 4.8 made three-pointers, while shooting 52% from the floor, 50% from behind the arc. Um, during the stretch, basically two weeks, he leads the NBA. He's tied with Klay Thompson in three-point shooting, um, has a higher three-point percentage than Steph and Luka Doncic and Klay Thompson during that same stretch. Um, even going back 10 games, he's right around 50% from three. Um, he's playing the best basketball's career at the moment. Um, you know, IQ, we've talked about him. He's going to win six men of the year most likely. There's just, you know, so many things about this team. Uh, you know, looking back on the season, the, you know, nobody would have said that few people would have argued that the Knicks could win 46 games and all but lock up the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference with a week left in the regular season in order for all those because because in order for that, in order for them to be 13 games above 500 in early April. Grimes would have had to exceed expectations. IQ would have had to exceed expectations. Brunson would have had to exceed expectations. Uh, Julius Randle would have had to exceed expectations. Isaiah Hardenstein would have had to exceed expectations. Some guy they got at the deadline would have had to exceed expectations. Yeah. And John Hart has done that. And all those players have done that. Um, so it really, truly is remarkable when you look back at the big picture, um, just how well everybody has played when their number has been called uh, for the most part. Um, you sum all that up, you throw it all in the blender, and you get a team that's 13 a game, 13 games above 500. Looks like they're going to lock up the sixth seed, uh, the fifth seed in in a, in a day or two. Um, and it's uh, just a, a fun, exciting Knicks team to watch. Um, that I that I think we're all appreciative we've had the opportunity to kind of have a front row seat for. Yeah, it's something that I kind of tease on the last show, not knowing that they were going to win two games, obviously, and not knowing they were going to get such great performances from Grimes, great performance from Obi Toppin um, on Sunday, but. I mentioned on the last show, I said, you know, I hope that they win they had over the heat in the second half kind of showed the entire organization, showed the coaching staff, showed the players, showed everyone, the fans, that the Knicks are not a one-man show. They're not a two-man show. They're not an end-all, be-all with just Julius Randle and that this was a good team. This was a deep team. This was a team that if they played the right way could win multiple ways and multiple styles of play. And that's essentially what you saw in these games, starting with that Cleveland game where, I mean, you tell me Donovan Mitchell has all those, you know, start makes his first eight shots, whatever he made. And he's going off the way he was in that first quarter. And that, that the Cleveland Cavaliers couldn't miss a shot. Basically in the whole first quarter, they score like what 47 points, I think. And you tell me the Knicks find a way to win that game. I would say it sounds pretty unlikely, but the Knicks showed that, Hey, they can get up and down the court. They can play a much more faster pace, a more free-flowing place, a, a more free-flowing way of offense when they're not so bogged down in just Julius Randle isolations or Randall Brunson one-two-man one, game. They were able to get a lot more easy shots. They were able to get out in the break. They were able to get in transition. And we saw them just really kind of thrash the Cleveland defense. I know they didn't have Jared Allen, which was a big loss in that game. But the ease in which Knicks were able to score, in part, I think because they weren't so predictable, I think was very important. Um, we saw that in that game. We saw in this game how a player, again, like Obi Toppin, a guy who's been you know kind of marginalized because of his role, because of the minutes he's unable to get on the court, he can go out there, he can get 21 points and get him with pretty much ease. You know, he's doing things out there that we didn't get to see him do as much. It looked like the player is actually looking for him more on cuts and things like that. And you saw his production for the minutes that he played. I mean, you got what, 21, uh, you got uh, 21 points in 33 minutes, not 15 from the field, three for eight from three. You saw the shot profile change a little bit. He did take, still take a lot of threes. We actually got to see him take a lot more twos when he plays in those short minutes 
He only gets to really just launch some threes. And if they go in, he plays good. If they don't go in, he doesn't play well. Uh, him playing with a different lineup, different group of guys, he actually able to 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 provide, provide more offensively in this game. So it goes to show you that hey, the Knicks are a good team, and that if things aren't working one way, if Randall has an off night or things aren't going well, they could win in a multitude of ways. They could play a multitude of lineups. Some of these lines we saw in this game, uh, the game on Sunday or game lineups we hadn't seen all season, and they had some success. So I, I hope that this is a, a wake up call to uh, to the to the whole team, to the organization, to the fans that look like everybody's got to get on board. Everybody's got to be on the same page. And the Knicks, they're going to need Julius Randle to do anything in the playoffs. Nobody is foolish enough to think that that's not the case. Well, those, but it those, does show those, that from a game-to-game situation, they're going to have to adjust. And if some things aren't working, they can easily transform the way they play, and they can still win games against good ball clubs. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, don't say nobody's foolish enough because you, you've been on Nick's well, Twitter long enough to know that. <laughs> yeah, true enough. That's a very fair point. <laughs> that some people will. But yes, 100%. Nick's obviously want Julius Randle back for the first game. You're crazy. Um, it just makes the Knicks a better team when you add an all-NBA player um, right. roster. If you have the choice, you, you take the guy that averages 25, 25, 10, and 5. Um, that being said, exactly to your point, um, this is a good reminder that they don't have to be dependent on their all NBA player or their all star point guard. Um, that there's, and we talked about it last week, there's multiple ways that the, and this is a way that the Knicks can improve. Um, you know, for instance, the Knicks were uh, ranked 29th in assists per game uh, this season 22.8 assists per game. I think only the Rockets are worse. Um, they dished out 31 on Sunday. The ball moves yeah. a lot more when Randall's yeah. not on the floor. Um, because it has to, because they can't rely on somebody to score in isolation and um, bully baskets that, that Randall can simply overpower opponents and knock down threes. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, and the Knicks offense has been better than good all season. They've been close to great near the top five throughout the, throughout the year consistently. Um, yeah. And Randall's a huge part of that, you know, him and Brunson, the biggest parts of that. Um, but again, you know, as we've discussed, that doesn't mean that they rely on that because in a playoff series now, when games really matter, when it's do or die, um, if you know if you're locked into one method and that method fails you, as we saw in that first round series against the Hawks, when Randall shot 37% from the floor and his numbers were way down from the regular season, the Knicks essentially had no chance and were um, stomped out in five games. Yeah. Now you have the opportunity. If that's struggling, let's switch it up. Maybe we we'll go small. 
Hardenstein, have him facilitate from the top of the key. Um, you know, let Grimes get more involved offensively, uh, both shooting the three and taking it to the basket. Um, so there's just a lot different ways. So that's the, again, as we, as we mentioned in previous spots, the one silver lining you're looking for um, over this final week is um, you obviously want everyone to stay healthy, but continue to experiment with, with different lineups, different rotations, um, and, and kind of get everyone comfortable if because again, all we know is that Randall's going to get reevaluated two days before the postseason. Right. That by no means guarantees he's going to be ready for Game One that first weekend. So um, a lot of different, uh, you know, it's 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 difficult to predict what might happen. So you you put yourself in position to be able to succeed no matter what news you get from that reevaluation. Yeah, and you know, we will talk about the playoffs in a second. I get the impression, and no one knows for sure. But I get the feeling knowing Randall and knowing, quite frankly, the Knicks organization and how they value guys being available, that they're, they put that two-week thing there because they're pretty much saying two weeks, we're going to look at it. And if he can move fairly well, we're going to throw him out there. Um, so I expect him to be back. But you're right, it's not a guarantee. And I posted it on Twitter, uh, especially. I, t- I actually posted it before or not in the first quarter of the Cavs game. I don't, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't after. But I tweeted, I said, is there a chance – that the Knicks could find a way to sit Randall's first two games in Cleveland, steal a game in Cleveland, and he come back, uh, you know, 1-1, Randall comes back into the lineup. Because we saw Dallas last season, Jalen Brunson went solo-dolo, going up against the Utah Jazz, a Donald Mitchell-led team that was fully healthy. And they found a way to not just win one game, they won two games. That was at home, so that was a little different. But they got two wins with Jalen Brunson running the show in Dallas without Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic was injured, I believe, also with an ankle injury. So yep. seeing what I saw on Friday, you know, I don't want to take too much from the game, but just seeing uh, how versatile this Nick team can be and I think how vulnerable Cleveland can be, it just made me wonder. Because uh, you're looking at then a game three probably being not three weeks out since ankle injury, and you're thinking, you know, any more time would be better than less time. And you think maybe three weeks would probably put him closer to being close to 100%. I did, it did make me wonder that do you maybe go into game one and say, well, hold him. And if we lose, maybe we put him out there in game two because we need him. Or if we win, then we say, all right, chill. We'll get you back in game three, back at the garden, back at home. Uh, I think it's going to be something interesting to uh, to follow uh, moving forward. I d- definitely agree, and especially if that game was like a if they play Sunday and then Tuesday and then they wait till Friday or the next right. Saturday. Sometimes you get those long gaps in playoff series. Um, definitely something to keep in mind. I will say um, I'd be lying if it didn't cross my mind that what happens if the Knicks win those first two games in Cleveland somehow without Randall and then come back and lose game three or, you yeah. know, that's Randall is psychologically, we know how temperamental that can be. Like, yeah. would he recover from that in the series? Would he recover from that during, because you know, the talk that off season would be fair or not, you know, the Knicks are a better team without Randall. So though that, that's a whole nother, you know, I, so for that reason, let's say, and, and let's say the Knicks win these final three games. So they close the year on a five game win streak without Randall, yeah. even though the games are, you know, they're, they're playing two, three bad opponents. Um, you know, especially the, the Pacers, you know, a team without Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I just so for that reason, I think 
Randall's going to do everything possible to get back on the floor just to prevent the even murmurs of, you know, the Knicks are a better team without Randall in the postseason thing. I'm not saying that's smart. I'm not saying that's the right decision. I'm just saying from what I've seen from the player and just human nature as we know it, um, I I think that's something that has crept into his mind. Like, I don't want, you know, it's just the the same reason why, you know, all these motive, why Cal Ripken never set out a game. Like, no matter how good you you are, you're always afraid about that, that player coming in and Wally pipping you. Um, So that's, you know, that's, you know, I I think it's something in the back of the mind of of Randall. But again, um, you know, the Knicks have done a good job throughout, basically in Leon Rose's tenure of not letting information leak out. So I would say like, wait for a Woj bomb, wait for a Shams tweet to kind of get some insight into how the Knicks might be feeling, you know, uh, maybe a week before, uh, you know, the playoffs start. But uh, we'll probably have to wait um, until the days before. And even then, I'm sure they're going to play close to the vest because they want – the Cavs to have to prepare. Um, yes. It's like, you know, if you're, you know, you don't, if you're starting quarterbacks, you know, uh, up, up in the air, you want the, and, and you have an option quarterback as opposed to a, a pocket passer, you want the defense to have to prepare for both guys. So obviously the Knicks are going to wait for as long as possible before they commit one way or the other. And we, we saw now, we've seen now two games, especially the last game against Washington, that the Knicks, I mean, Obi and Randall are completely different players. Um, Randall, Obi can have a big impact in games, which we saw on Sunday. Is there any way when Randall comes back, because he will come back at some point, is there any way that Nick can find a way to unlock some of this stuff that we saw from Obi in these games when Randall comes back? Because we've seen that, you know, Obi's uh, impact has been, you know, minimal at times because he's been forced to kind of only be a shooter. Here in these games, I mean, we saw him last game. He had four assists in this game. Uh, just now, Mitchell Robinson had four assists too. So all the bigs were really getting into action, moving the ball a lot better than we normally see. But is there any chance that we could see Obi be unleashed a little bit better? Now, I'm not going to say more because I don't know if he's going to play more minutes, but maybe utilize better in these games when Randall does return. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, you'd like to think so. I wouldn't hold my breath if, if I was a Knicks fan. We've, we've, we have a, a good sample size here. Um, uh, the, the good news is that once the Hart's arrival, I think, um, reinvigorated Obi and, and, yeah. and, and the Knicks um, choosing to facilitate, uh, allow uh, Isaiah Hartenstein to facilitate more from the high post. Um, should get, you know, Obi some easy buckets off cuts and things along those lines. So, um, but, you know, again, it's difficult in 12 minutes a night, 13 minutes a night, 11 minutes a night to truly make a big impact, um, especially when they kind of camp him out in the corner. Um, and if he's playing on that second unit, um, that's probably where he's going to end up being. Um, so, you know, would you like to see, you know, uh, you know, a, a, an additional kind of ramped up Obi version 2.0 that we've seen you know that we saw sunday night um ideally yes but realistically i think with the uh, you know the limited playing time um and just kind of the team structure that it's not likely um but hopefully it's a little bit closer to this version of obi than it was in the first half of the season yeah i i i, I certainly hope that's the case you're right i think josh hart has uh done a good job of kind of unlocking a lot of guys in the team quite frankly yep. he's come in and he's really been a big impact and uh, we've seen almost immediately how much he changed the dynamic of the team. And he did leave that game uh, at the end against the, the Wizards. Um, he had also twisted his ankle. Um, I don't know. Have you seen anything on on how – I didn't see anything about being severe or anything. But um, the, the, the Josh Hart situation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, the latest we have, fourth quarter, he twists his ankle, um, his right ankle, 
goes down, yeah. starts limping off the floor. The entire garden gasps, you know, just, yeah. everyone, you could tell like the volume drops down and everyone's a little more nervous. Um, the, the Knicks PR staff sent out a t- uh, tweeted out um, about 15 minutes later, uh, Josh Hart, his ankle had been retaped and he was cleared for a return. Right. Um, obviously he did not return to the contest. It was a blowout and need, no need to put him in garbage time. Same as you. I have not seen him. I didn't see him speak after the game. Um, right. I don't think they made him available to the media. Um, Tibbs didn't have much to offer because I'm sure they had to wait for the medical stuff. Um, it sounds like, you know, if the Knicks had a playoff game this tonight, he could probably play. Um, right. That's certainly the situation. He was cleared to play last night. Who knows? Maybe the ankle swelled up on him. I would assume the Knicks give him. Knicks, Knicks don't play again. Um, for uh, We're recording this Monday night, Knicks, uh, Monday afternoon. Knicks don't play again to Wednesday night. I would assume the Knicks give him uh, the, the next game off. Um, just to err on the side of caution, even if he's 100%. Um, because, again, part of the – there's only three games off in the schedule. One of the goals is win one game to clinch the, the, the Knicks' magic number, by the way, now is is one. So any combination of Knicks wins or either a Knicks win or a Nets loss, if the Knicks have locked up the, um, the, the five seed. One other thing just to note – um, so it certainly looks like the Knicks will have at least a five seed. Technically, they can still catch the Cavs for four. Um, that would require the Knicks winning all three of their final games and the Cavs losing all three of their final games. The Cavs play Orlando twice uh, and then Charlotte. So that's certainly extremely unlikely, uh, but <laughs> technically still possible. Um, and the other thing, just to note, the Cavs can still catch the Sixers for the three seed. Um, they're one and a half back with three games to go on the Cavs schedule and four games left on Philly. Um, so I believe Philly's number to secure the number three magic number to secure the number three seed is two. Um, so you'd assume that, 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 that'll happen. And, you know, the very safe assumption now is very likely it'll be Sixers three and then the Cavs next four or five. Um, but that being said, um, Knicks still have to win one more game to secure yep. a playoff victory, um, uh, to secure the six seed, uh, five seed rather, uh, ahead of the net. So they'll they'll try to win Wednesday night in Indiana. Um, maybe the last two games, you'll see some Trevor Keels and Jericho Sims and Daquan yep. Jeffries. Um, yep. So you know we'll see how that plays out, but obviously keeping heart healthy and and it, you know uh, Brunson looked like he hurt his finger a little, his thumb a little bit on that one drive to the basket. Those are the type of things you want to avoid in the last couple of games of the season. Exactly, yeah. You want to keep everybody fresh, keep everybody whole as you get to the postseason, which is now official. So Knicks win this one, uh, one eighteen one oh nine over the Wizards. They Wizards team that I thought was pretty pesky and. Uh, Knicks didn't necessarily play their cleanest play in the first half, but I thought it really turned it off, especially defensively in the second half. So uh, in just a few weeks, playoff basketball returns at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks notched their 46th win of the season on Sunday to earn a postseason spot with two-and-a-half game lead on the Brooklyn Nets. The magic number for the Knicks, as Tom just mentioned, is just one game. The Knicks win or a Nets loss, and the Knicks secure the number five seed uh, in the Eastern Conference, already secured play a spot. Five C would be clinched with just one win, whether it be a Knicks win or a Nets loss. So under the leadership of Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau as the head coach, this is the second time in three seasons that the Knicks have qualified for the playoffs. The team missed the postseason in each of the previous seven seasons before Leon Rose took over. So, uh, Tommy, a little bit more of a macro conversation here as the Knicks clinch a playoff spot. Is the season now already a success with the Knicks headed to the postseason? No. I mean, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, definitely not. Like, again, you know, 2012, 2013, Knicks win 54 games. 
Um, you know, we out of nowhere, the we here Knicks team advanced, you know, to, you know beat the Celtics in the first round, advanced to the um, uh, the second round, um, lose to a very good Pacers team. Listen, you know, it's cool. Start of the future. Mike Woodson, you know, mellow, like every everything's going in the right direction. Knicks win 37 games the next year. Yep. Um, Thibodeau's first season, 10 games over 500, four seed home court advantage in the playoffs. This is the start of something they're building. Knicks win 37 games the next year. Long story short, next season is not promised. Um, Randall, a monster season this year. Does he regress? Does he can, you know, somehow stay on that same plateau? We'll see. Brunson, I don't know. You know, it's not possible he could play any better, right? Does he, you know, does he get injured? Um, Grimes and quickly, do they continue to play at the level they they, 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 they continue on their upward trajectory? The answer right now on April 3rd, when they're 13 games over 500 and everything seems to be going right, absolutely. That being said, you know, and, and again, the Knicks, the beauty of the season is the Knicks are ahead of schedule. You know, the goal was to kind of maintain status quo and while also building towards the future. Knicks are not only building, you know, keeping their reservoir of draft picks and draft capital and young assets. All those young assets have improved their value by playing yeah. as well as they have, which makes the team a very tough out right now. Um, so I say all that to say, um, you know, next season's not promised. The future's not promised. The Knicks team has currently constructed has the ability to beat this Cleveland Cavs team in the first round of playoffs. So I think just, you know, advancing to the postseason um, is not giving justice to just how good Jalen Brunson has been this season, to just mm -hmm. as well as Randall's played this season, to just the the complete two-way player that Quentin Grimes, although he's just 22 and in his second year of the NBA, has been these last two weeks. Um, that, that IQ uh, in, his 30, in his third NBA season is, is, is paced six year um there's no guarantee that mitch is healthy next year and hartenstein etc so you have an opportunity there's opportunities in front of you you need to take advantage of it um if they lose a tough game seven game series to cleveland does that mean that this season's an utter disaster and of course not but that being said like to to address your question directly is this next season a success just because they advance the playoffs my answer would be no interesting i didn't i did not expect you to go there to be honest um I, I, I don't want to be a cop-out here, but I think when I say it's a success or not, so I'm kind of, kind of copping out my own question. I think it does depend on, like, what happens in the first round. So my thing is, like, okay, the, the way I kind of view the question is, if Knicks lose in the first round of the playoffs, does that, like, not matter? Does that mean the team, the season of success? I'd say, well, I think it depends on what happens. Now, coming into the season, I did not expect the Knicks to win a round. Uh, in the playoffs. Um, I thought that Knicks making the playoffs was going to be a tall order. I thought that they could do it, but if they did, they'd probably be the seventh or eighth seed having got in via the playing tournament. So now that they're here, we've seen the season. I don't want to lose sight of what the expectations were and how these guys have improved pretty much tenfold, almost the entire roster. But I think because of what we saw in that Atlanta series two years ago, and because we saw a Knicks team that we thought uh, should have been able to be much more competitive and maybe win in the first round, get stomped by the Atlanta Hawks, it kind of makes you feel like, man, you can't go through that again. Like, to, to have, you know, that happen, then have the miserable 2021-2022 season happen, and then just get back right back to just getting stomped in the first round, it would be hard to try to spin that as some kind of success. Now, I think maybe you could still say, hey, listen, at least now this team, you actually have a point guard when you didn't have before. Um, now in this season, you have um, a guy who you can, you know, build around a cornerstone. At least now you kind of know more of what your young players can be, as opposed to like even two years ago, where like you know, quickly and and 
OBR rookies and RJ's a, se- a second year player and you're still kind of unsure. Now you at least have a better idea. I think you can still spin it and say, hey, at least now you know more of who you are. But it would be tough if they had that. Now, if they lose in the first round, a tough six or tough seven game series, I can't say that that's not a successful season. Like, I, I can't. Like, to me, like, that meant that a team that a lot of people do not think to make the playoffs would have made the playoffs, compete against a team that um, at parts of the season looked like they were a title contender and took them to six or seven games. And if they lose a heartbreaker in Cleveland or they lose a game six at Madison Square Garden, I would say, all right, all right you know, tough pill to swallow. This is a team that they could have beat. But at the end of the day, they do have a, a guy who is a superstar or at least on the precipice of being a superstar in the Knicks. We don't think have that guy yet. So I would say, long answer say, I would say, yes, I think it is a success, barring there isn't a playoff disaster, which I don't expect. Now, I didn't expect what happened two years ago, but I would be surprised if the Knicks got swept or lost in five games to Cleveland. That would honestly shock me. Uh, agreed. And yeah, it is important to note. I certainly wouldn't have, I didn't predict the Knicks to win 46 plus games right. this season. So if you would have asked me, uh, you know, uh, uh, prior to the season, if making the playoffs would have been success, I would have said yes. If you, and even if you asked me uh, in a, in, in our, one of our podcasts on a Tuesday afternoon in July, um, when we're looking at free agency was the last season a success, even if the Knicks, you know, lose in five games or six, you know, I, I, I will say, yes, I'm just, you know, I just think, we, you know, as, as we've talked about in previous pods, like you recalibrate your expectations yeah. based on how the season's gone. So that's just kind of my point. Um, you know, just looking ahead, um, the Knicks have a gr- really good opportunity, um, opponent and just the storylines and the, and the health of the team is relatively healthy, assuming Randall can come back, um, and, and play in the postseason as well. Like these, these opportunities, the stars aligned this year. Um, so you really want to take advantage of it was kind of my overarching theme. Yeah, no, and I, and I totally get that. And when it comes to the Knicks, you know, ceiling or what we expect, I mean, nobody that I don't think thinks their ceiling is making it to the NBA finals. So. To me, you know, people will parse on what I've said, conference finals. I know you said mostly second round. Other people I've talked to have said second round. Um, some people have said conference finals. How do the Knicks get beyond that level? Like, regardless of whether it's one round or two rounds, like, what is the next step to the Knicks saying, hey, like, we're not just a team that could win a round or two. We can get to championship or at least make it to the finals if we don't win an NBA championship. Like, the way I look at this team, and I've said it, you know, on WFAN hosting, Sometimes, and maybe I'm crazy, but part of me just feels like it might just be just time. And I'm not, I, I do think it's very important to not think that, like, if you just kind of stand pat, that things will just end up working out for you in the end, because oftentimes it doesn't. You got to be aggressive and, you know, be aggressive in reshaping your roster and continuing to evolve your roster. But I look at the the Milwaukee Bucks, I see an old, an aging roster, a dominant team, but an aging roster. Um, I see Philly and I see some flux. They have, you know, star players, but I see Harden kind of, you know, getting up there in age. I see some guys going to be coming up on contracts, guys they're going to have to move. Uh, I see a coach who I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. And I say, how long are they contenders? Um, I expect the Boston Celtics to be contenders as long as they got Tatum and Brown. And I expect Cleveland to be around and, and be one of the top teams in the East. But it just feels like in two or three years, the Heat are just, they're not going to be anywhere near this picture and barring some crazy free agent signing which could happen we've seen that in miami obviously before but it it just feels like there's a vacuum that's being created in the east where some of these teams that we just think are going to contend forever won't and i kind of wonder if the knicks they continue to build the right way maybe they get another star in here then two years we're not talking about the knicks competing for a championship competing to be one of the title contenders like do you see that the same way or do you feel like it's going to take something a little more 
um, desperate or a little more extreme for them to get to that point. No, I agree with you for the most part. Um, you know, you talk about Milwaukee. Yes, they're they're aging roster, but Giannis is still in the heart of right. his prime, and 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 Holiday's a little bit older, um, but still has a couple of years left. So I'll you know putting them aside for a moment because assuming Giannis stays in in the East and stays in Milwaukee, um, I think the Bucks are going to win the championship this year. Um, mm. I think they'll be the favorites heading into the next season. But putting them outside outside of that. Um, Philly Harden's going to be a free agent this year. Yeah. He's been good this season, led the league in assists. So I'm not going to say he's played poorly, but I don't think it's quite lived up the expectations that that Sixers fans had hoped. Um, looks a step slow defensively. Um, are talking about the teams better when Maxi's you know kind of running the show and games that Harden's missed. Um, and again, Harden's going to be a free agent this summer. And he's talked about going back to Houston already. Yeah. So is he committed to Philly? I, I don't know. Um, I would I would short the Sixers stock if I could. Um, Celtics, you assume good young coach Tatum top five MVP candidate and they keep you know Brown and Tatum together question is are they going to keep Brown and Tatum together everything you read about you know leaking out of Boston is Brown's unhappy you know you, you know the city and the, and the franchise they dangled them in the KD talks he's a, a year and a half uh, away from free agency um how does that play out do they trade him instead of losing him in free agency does he go back home to California um all those yeah. all those things are up in the air um you know uh the Heat, you know, the Hawks, um, who knows? The Heat will, um, you know, the, the Hawks, you know, a year ago, you would have said they're, they're in a position to be a top three team. We've seen them take a huge step back. Maybe Quinn Snyder gets them back on track. Um, Heat will try to rebuild. But I, I think that you can make an argument, you know, if you're looking three years ahead, um, that the two best teams in the conference, you know, depending on what happens with Giannis, will be the Cavs and the Knicks, which is another reason it makes the season so interesting. This yeah. series, upcoming series, so interesting with the Donovan Mitchell. Um, and one other thing we'll talk about with the um, new collective bargaining agreement is the fact that you can have more than two rookie max contracts on the same deal, which for the Cavs is important because they have um, – uh, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and now they're going to have to re-up Mobley at that max number. Um, so they they benefited from one of the uh, tweaks to the, the the to the collective bargaining agreement. That all that being said, let's hope that the Knicks are in the, that conversation in a few years. Um, and so to directly answer your question, what the Knicks will have to do first and foremost is they have to that uh, that ascension assumes that the players will continue on their current trajectory. Uh, Quinn Grimes, who's played terrifically these last two weeks, continues to get better. Um, we've seen him kind of dip up and down um, over the last few months. He's gone into slumps and not had quite the impact as he continued to get better and better and better. This, uh, Isaac, uh, does Emmanuel quickly continue to play at the same level, a, a six-man caliber talent? Um, uh, does does Jalen Brunson, is it possible that he plays as well next season as he does this year. I would argue, yes, that the beauty of Brunson contract, as we look at it now, is it's actually descending in value, yeah. which incredibly means that he's that his val he's going to be paid less next year than this year. Um, also, even though he, he, he's also in the Harvest Prime, and he's even a guy that's, you know, 31 years old. He's never been a player at age 25, 26, what he is now. He's not relying on quickness or, or yeah. speed or Russell Westbrook athleticism. He outthinks you and footwork and, and outmaneuvers you and gets you off balance and scores on you. Um, yeah. So he's a player that, uh, unlike many point guards we've seen in the NBA, he's, he has the more of the Chris Paul trajectory um, than a Russell Westbrook kind of player. Um, but again, it's all, you know, does Mitch Rob stay healthy? Again, all the question marks that we had coming into the season, 
because all those boxes were checked this year doesn't guarantee that they'll be checked next year. Um, as we've talked about with the we here team and the and the and the Randall, you know, number four seed year team. Um, in, in terms of roster construction, I think the I don't want to call it an extreme move, but if there was one big move that would bump the Knicks up a tier that I think will be very seriously explored this offseason and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it mm. after this season ends is what to do with R.J. Barrett. I think the the quickest way to uh, 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 leap in terms of relevance and competitiveness and legitimacy, legitimacy as a title contender is to turn Barrett and some draft capital into an upgraded piece at three, a three and D wing, uh, uh, an OG Ananobi, depending on your feelings on him, uh, a Mikhail Bridges type player. They're not going to get Bridges, who's been a wonderful addition. Yeah, been a star in Brooklyn. Uh, a star in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, that type of player where he's maybe an underappreciated tertiary piece um, on, a, on a title contending team like the Suns, you bring him to New York and give him a bigger role um, alongside Randall, alongside Brunson. And I, I didn't even mention Randall piece. Um, we saw him go all NBA to the least efficient player in the NBA, in the NBA to all NBA. What happens next season? Again, all these questions are up in the air. So it's hard to commit hardcore to the Knicks are here and they're here for good. Um, there's certainly reasons to believe that's the case, but there are reasons to be pessimistic as well. Um, in order to kind of uh, uh, cushion that fall, you would assume, you know, these guys coming back down to earth a little bit is upgrading that small forward position because RJ Barrett, while he's had his moments and still has an opportunity um, to prove himself in a playoff series, the most important series of his career to date. Um, I, at this, at this moment feel, and I have felt for this season that he's been holding them back in certain respects. He's been an inefficient, um, you know, he hasn't been a net positive this season. So if you could get somebody that's a large, that that's a significant net positive, most especially on the on the defensive end, because again, the Knicks are a top five offense with Barrett struggling uh, immensely on the offensive end this season for large chunks of the season, even though he scored 20 points, high usage player, low true shooting percentage, not an ideal combination. If you get one of those three and D guys that can kind of, you know, just that's a perfect fit in between Brunson and Randall, and now you have three and D wing Grimes alongside Brunson, Randall, Mitch Robinson. That's a really strong starting five. Assuming they re-sign Josh Hart, um, you know, then you have arguably the best bench in basketball with IQ, uh, Hartenstein, and Hart all signed for at least one more season. There's a lot to like there. Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of there's several options they can do. You mentioned Julius Randall and his value is. You know, now hopefully it doesn't tank with a poor playoff performance, but his value is also sky high. Like, does he get moved for a guy who's who's a star? Because I almost feel like the Knicks could be in that Raptors pre-Kawhi situation where they may need to take one of these guys that they currently have. They need to upgrade this position. Um, and whether it be I'm looking at either RJ, looking at Randall. Even look at Mitchell Robinson, comparing to what happens with some of these centers. I mentioned Joel Embiid before. Something about that situation, just, I always wonder how long he'll be there, especially if they have another postseason flop. Those three positions, the key positions I keep looking at, look at and saying, if they trade one of these guys and they turn that into an upgraded piece, maybe even a superstar, I think the Knicks now you're talking about they're a true title contender. I really think that that move will happen sooner than we think. Like. I I think that move could happen this summer. 
I definitely think that move could happen this summer. But now, because of the past six months, it's most specifically the last three months, four months, the Knicks are in a position now where last summer it was trade for a superstar, get any superstar, try to get relevant. Now the Knicks can be picky. Now they shouldn't trade for a Zach Levine. Yes, you they know? cannot trade for Zach Levine. You know what Never. I'm saying? Like that type of yeah. player. It, it, you know, in other words, if Carl Anthony Towns was available last summer, yeah, 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 let's get him. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Now, is Carl Anthony Towns an upgrade over Randall? You know, if you give up Robinson and Randall or, you know, some combination thereof, is it does it make sense? You know, the yeah. Knicks can get a little bit, you know, can, can pick and choose their right star. Um, so that's why I say it's not necessarily the first superstar that's up for grabs, which isn't something the Knicks have had the luxury of even discussing in years past. Um, yeah. Now they can c- try to find the right piece, and that right right piece may not be the guy that's you know the twenty five point scorer, but a guy that's averaged seventeen and two steals and shoots you know forty three percent from three. I know one thing. This is going to be a very interesting couple of years coming up for the Knicks. I don't I don't think that this is a flash in the pan this season. I think that the Knicks are entering a era where they'll be a perennial playoff team and the moves they make now are going to be so important because they could be the difference between whether or not they can truly contend for a title or if they're the joe johnson atlanta hawks and their team that's just in the playoffs and maybe one year they do really well in the regular season but a team that can't seriously win the title i think that that is going to be very important to watch over the next couple of seasons but the knicks are in the postseason so rejoice be happy it should be a fun time in April here uh, watching the Knicks basketball in the postseason. But let's wrap the show quickly talking about hundred percent. Just one quick thing, and then we'll get the CBA stuff. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the guys playing good, IQ and Grimes, now you got to pay them like the yeah. like the guys that play good. So you, all that stuff gets factored in. Do you make your move while you still have cap space to spend? Because you're going to have to ink IQ to a big contract this summer, and then Grimes is going to be up, and then you got to decide what to do with Obi. So just one other thing. Thankfully, as to your, we'll have months to dis- discuss that this offseason. Yeah. Now we need to focus on the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be very important. I saw Jake Fisher say that he doesn't think IQ will sign the extension this offseason just because mm-hmm. of how well he's playing. And, you know, I, I couldn't blame him if that was the case. Yep. So, yes, definitely very important to see what the Knicks do moving forward. Um, but let's move on to um, some important news in the NBA. So the NBA and the Players Union came to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement that includes some noteworthy changes to the league moving forward. A new deal is expected to be ratified this week. So one of the big additions includes uh, the inclusion of a NBA in-season tournament uh, that will be included into the regular season. So teams will still play 82 games. A team that plays a championship game will play 83, but that won't count towards the record. Um, the event will include pool play. That will then be followed by a single elimination eight-team tournament. The final four will be held in a neutral site. Right now, it sounds like Las Vegas will be the uh, leaders in the clubhouse as of right now in terms of where this final four will be played when it comes to the, new, the uh, in-season tournament. The winners uh, of the tournament, the coaches and the players, all each will get $500,000 um, as a reward for winning the uh, uh, tournament that's going to be uh, included in the NBA regular season. So there's that. Um, there also will be some new restrictions for the teams that exceed the highest luxury tax threshold. So right now that's the Clippers and the Warriors at this point. Uh, teams that blow past that new salary cap apron that's $17.5 million above the luxury tax line, uh, those teams will have a bunch of restrictions that include being unable to sign players in the buyout market, unable to use the taxpayers' uh, mid-level exception, can't attach cash to trades, can't trade draft picks that seven years and beyond um, and, and plenty of other things as well. Um, yeah, you can't take in more money than you're sending out. So some pretty harsh restrictions for teams that hit that highest 
uh, luxury tax threshold. Um, there also be some new spending and trade opportunities for teams who aren't in that threshold. Both teams that even at the luxury tax, especially for teams that are below the salary cap and above the salary cap and not hitting the luxury tax uh, threshold. So um, bigger opportunities to, to change your roster um, if you don't hit those high end thresholds. Um, in an effort to keep star players on their respective teams, franchises can now offer max extensions of, of 140% raises from your previous salary. So essentially that's a 20% increase. So players like Jalen Brown, players like Demontis Sponis, these guys could get more money to re-sign with their teams if they do so. Uh, and one of the other things I thought were important, um, you can have two more max slot. You have more than two players on your team as super max guys, as Tommy talked about when it came to Cleveland, who will have to re-sign Evan Mobley coming up. And to uh, curb load management, players will now be required to play at least 65 games to be eligible for regular season awards like MVP and all NBA teams. So um, I think for a lot of people, we've talked about the importance of making the regular season matter. So I guess we'll start there, Tommy. Do you see the in-season tournament? Do you see the new requirement for the regular season awards? Do you see that at all? helping improve the competitiveness of the regular season and curb load management. I, I'm not excited about the in-season tournament. I could be wrong. Um, you know, Adam Silver and company have done a, I wasn't sure about the playing tournament. It has been a huge success on so many different levels. Um, so I'm, I was wrong about that. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong about this as well. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. It'll be somewhat interesting. Um, but I don't think just having strictly money on the line is going to motivate players to, um, you know, to, to in this day and age, um, you know, these millionaire athletes to, to you know, to go crazy and, and put a lot of, um, you know, a lot at stake on these tournaments. Um, the other, but the thing I really do like is the um, tying at least sixty-five games played to the, uh, the the regular season awards. I think that'll go yeah. a long way in, in in the load management because it's not so much load management for the the, the, the other guys on the roster, you know, it's, it's the, if you Giannis comes to your town once a year, you want to, you know, when the Bucks play, you want to see Giannis. If Philly comes to your, you know, your Western conference team, you want to see Embiid play. So it's, it's that type of stuff that I think will, it'll be less, less common. And that's a good thing for the game. Yeah. I, I like the, I definitely like the regular season award um, requirements because to me that that's how it should have always been. We've seen guys, I mentioned with all-star games, guys don't play a lot of games and also find a way to make their way onto the all-star team. So that with Paul George uh, this season. And I think while I think it's important to note that a lot of the load management stuff comes from teams, it's not necessarily yes. players coming around saying, hey, I need a day off. A lot of times it's a team saying, hey, you're not going to play. I do think it'll be a lot harder for teams to convince guys to sit when these guys are up for MVP, defensive player of the year, making an all-NBA team. Uh, these are important notes. Uh, these are things that some of these guys, some of these, you know, awards impact these guys' money. Yep. Uh, and it kind of becomes an interesting deal with like kind of what we see in the NFL, where meeting certain thresholds can mean certain bonuses, and you know, players get upset because maybe you know they don't get the ball on the one yard line when they need another touchdown to uh, to, to hit a certain threshold. So that's going to make it a lot more interesting. There may be even more contention among certain teams if we get close to situations where guys will be ineligible to play or to, excuse me, to, to win an award because of load management. So I think that that's a good thing. I am, I like the in-season tournament. I do think that I wish it was something better on the line besides $500,000. I think that that's a, a lot of money. I think that teams get to the, once they get to the final four, like they're not going to want to lose. I think they will right. play relatively hard, but I wish it would have been something 
that made it an incentive, especially for the teams maybe who aren't that great or teams that aren't right. teams that are going to win championships to also like go for it because maybe you give them an extra lottery pick. But I thought like to me, the best thing would have been to like, you win the tournament, you get the like middle of the odds lottery as an added pick in the draft. And like, to me, like now every, every team is going to be into that. The teams that are the lower end teams, like they have a chop because it's not necessarily playing an 82 game schedule. You just have to play good for a couple of weeks. Like, I think that that would have made it more interesting. Um, I also think maybe guaranteeing a playoff spot would have been interesting because maybe that would have turned the season upside down if a team that, you know, has been one of the worst teams in the league wins the tournament and now they have a playoff spot and now there's one less spot. Kind of what we see in March Madness with the bid stealers right. um, that happened in the conference tournament. So I thought there was some more creativity they could have had. I think that stuff will come. It's, they don't. I don't think they want to turn everything upside down so quickly. So that's why they start with money. But I think those other things will come eventually. But I'm, I'm cool with the, uh, the single season, you know, the in-season tournament. I'm interested to see how they're going to figure out the schedule to make it to where every team still plays 82. Um, that will be interesting to figure out. But I think that that's a cool addition. What did you think of uh, the stuff with the, the money and the taxpayers? I thought that that was actually one of the more interesting things because some of these teams, like the Warriors and the Clippers, are going to have to make, like, decisions, like, next year. <laughs> like, they're going to have to cut salary almost immediately because some of these uh, – some of these restrictions are extremely harsh. It's going to be very hard to build rosters if you hit that threshold. Yeah, I, I, I'm I okay with it. I don't have a problem with it. I like kind of squeezing teams in the middle, um, you know, increasing competition and and, and parity and, and all that stuff. Um, as we know, obviously, um, the, the, when KD went to the Warriors, um, I don't want to say it ruined the NBA for two years. That's far too strong a word, but um, there really wasn't competition. Um, you know, it, it happened to coincide um, with the salary cap spike coming from the yeah. from the New Deal. Um, the other thing to mention um, in the new CBA is they're um, they're balancing, they're leveling it out, so it's not one specific, it's not one year where it's going to spike from one year to the next. Um, so that'll prevent kind of the um, that that you know that, that crazy year when we had Mozgov and, and Joakim Noah. Yeah, I was say it's prevent the Knicks from doing another. Joakim Noah deal because that was that's something that still and or the Lakers giving 144 million to Mozgov and Luel Dang and, and, and <laughs> yeah craziness that followed. Um, the the one other thing I do want to mention uh, two things actually. Um, the one I think you'll agree with the All NBA eliminating positions I have a problem with. I don't like that. Yeah, um, it, it, it we for you know for the seventy five year history of the league, we've been able you know, the all NBA team has been an important measuring stick in terms of greatness and and, and Hall of Fame resume. That's no longer going to be the case. I, I assume you're you're on the same page as that. Yeah, I I don't like it because you know all, all these moves seem to go against centers, and I don't think that centers are not important in this league. And actually, they seem to be on kind of on a new renaissance. Quite frankly, I mean the two leading candidates for MVP the last two seasons are centers essentially. Right. And so like, I, I don't really get that. I, I think they should have kept it the way it was two guards, two front court players forwards, and then make it a center. So I didn't really love that. I agree. Um, one of the other things I also thought was interesting that I'm, I saw this come across and I really thought it was an April fools. And I'm, I was always afraid to even talk about it still, but it, it is a thing that players not be able to invest in NBA and WNBA teams, you know, you know, they can also invest in gambling and cannabis companies. Cannabis companies I care nothing about. Um, the gambling is a little interesting. I, I'll hold reservations about whether or not that's a big deal yet. But the investing in teams thing seemed pretty crazy because, like, they I didn't see anything from Champ saying that it had to be your own team. Um, 
even if it is your own team, like how does that impact free agency? Like, will guys be able to have the carrot of saying, hey, you know, you sign with my team, we'll give you, you know, 5% investment stake. Like, how does that work? Like, that seemed crazy to me. Now, I like the fact that NBA players can invest in WNBA teams. That seemed cool. But I, the, the investing in NBA teams thing sounded very weird um, because they, there wasn't much details outside of that that they can do it. <laughs> Uh, hundred percent. I need to see more on that. I, I agree. Um, that was odd. I'm not sure how, you know, because, you know, there's a lot, there have a lot of rules in place now. So teams and players can't collude to circumnavigate the, the salary cap. You know, in other words, you can't, you know, sign Kevin Durant to a minimum salary contract and then give him 25% of your franchise. Um, so you can sign 10 guys to, you know, 10 other guys to, to, uh, to value exceeding their contract. So there's a lot, I'm not sure how they're going to work that out. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait for further details. Um, and the, the, the gambling stuff, I think there's going to be, uh, they've gone from, you know, pretending gambling doesn't exist to now they're completely in bed with the gambling companies. Every other commercial on MSG is, is FanDuel. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're on the floor, on the, you know, on the uniforms, uh, you know, the arena names uh, it's, it's gone to the other extreme. Now there's, I think there's going to be a swing back to the middle because some players going to get caught up in the Calvin Ridley situation where they're, you know, innocuously betting on games, but you know, are betting on their own teams. You really, really got to be careful um, because, you know, and, and the reason teams and, and the reason owners took, you know, the, the Calvin Ridley suspension was so strenuous was because the one thing you can't have is fans questioning the integrity of the outcome of a game. Yeah. Um, once you once that comes into question and even if it comes into question a little bit, um, really, really impacts um, fans getting invested. Um, uh, the one other thing I'll say about the CBA stuff, and I think the most, the, the most important and to kind of wrap up the conversation from the previous segment, um, is the, uh, the increase in the, uh, the franchises offering an extension of 140% of the player's current salary. Yeah. I think that's going to be enormous in the, how the Knicks construct this roster going forward. Um, first and foremost, Josh Hart, does that now enable the Knicks to sign him to a four year, three year, something extension? this offseason um, instead of him opting out and then hoping that you re-sign him via a, un, as when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Um, even though the best laid plans, Hart loves New York, New York loves Hart. Um, right. You know, I'm, don't worry, I'm going to opt out because I, my agents are telling me that's what I have to do, but I'm going to come back here. And then, you know, Portland offers him, you know, $70 million. The Knicks can only offer him Port. There's just a lot of stuff that can get in there you, you want to try to avoid, but not only Hart, um, uh, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson has a player option on the final season of his current contract. Yeah. He will obviously, of course, you know, opt out unless he's willing to sign the Knicks, you know, sign him to the max that they can offer via an extension, which would have been far too less, you know, six days ago. Now with the, that 140%, maybe that's enough to talk him into with an increasing salary cap. Another reason why I'd want to opt out, um, but maybe that's enough to convince him um, because clearly he's benefited from the New York situation. New York has benefited from his presence. They'd like to stay together as, his, his coaches, uh, his father's on the coaching staff. Um, maybe that's enough um, to kind of reduce the, the 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 incentive to to hit unrestricted free agency. So um, those are things that um, you know kind of were bylines and little small bullet points, but could have a huge impact on on two very important players on the Knicks. Yeah, that's going to be a, a very important thing to follow on how that impacts some of the Knicks negotiations with some of their own players. But that's going to do it. For this edition of Orange and Blue Blood, thank you guys so much for checking us out. 
Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys again for checking us out. Of course, you can catch all these episodes on Blue Bloods on any uh, download streaming streaming service you have. So uh, you want to catch this podcast, where, pretty much wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop. We'll be dropping another one on Tuesday. So make sure you guys uh, have that auto download feature ready so you can have it as soon as we release it. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can catch us on the Odyssey Sports uh, page and also the WFAN YouTube channel as well. That's going to do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Congrats to the Knicks for clinching a playoff spot. For Tommy, I'm EJ. For these guys, peace.